Welcome to the Side Hustle to Small Business Podcast, brought to you by Hiscox. I'm your host, Sanjay Parikh. As a serial entrepreneur, I'm passionate about sharing the stories of other entrepreneurs. On this show, we share perspectives on all sides of the side hustle to small business journey, the challenges, triumphs, and everything in between. This season, we've produced over 20 episodes of the Side Hustle to Small Business podcast. Along the way, we've met entrepreneurs with unique backgrounds in varying industries, all with different goals. In episode 11, I spoke with Rita Ernst, the founder of Ignite Your Extraordinary, who decided to become her own boss after having her first child. In episode 14, we met Jacob Burt, a freelance video editor turned business owner of Burt, And in episode 15, I spoke with Maria Romano, who, after seeing a woman officiating a wedding, decided to try it herself, and now performs close to 1,000 weddings a year through her company, True Love Knots. While all of their journeys are individual, one thing is the same. They are not working your typical nine to five. In fact, the beauty of working for yourself is that you are in charge of your own hours. You decide when you work and where you work. There's even a term for this. It's called asynchronous work, when employees work on their own time without the expectation of immediately responding to others, they're working asynchronously. Over the next 30 minutes or so, you'll hear from three different entrepreneurs, Ali Smith, Brad Morrison, and Steve Swanson, who have all transitioned from a traditional nine to five role into an asynchronous work model for not only themselves, but their employees as well. We'll take a look at each entrepreneur separately case study style, to get an understanding of the model of asynchronous work as a whole, the challenges and perks of this style of work, what the future might hold, and tips for organizations and individuals potentially looking to adopt this model. We're excited to share their stories and hope that you take something away from them. Let's dive in. To start off, I want to introduce you to Ali Smith, a freelance project and product manager in the medical device industry based in Atlanta. Ali was working for an IT company, but when COVID hit, she went remote. For Ali, this was a big adjustment. Initially when it happened, it was kind of a nice break to not have to be making this long commute every day. As a manager, I had like the biggest staff for the company located in Atlanta. So I had the biggest staff coming into the office and having to manage people remotely was a brand new world. That was definitely the hardest part. Ali was managing seven people at the time, which can be overwhelming even in person. But in remote work, Allie was struggling to adjust. It was a lot easier for me to juggle in person how people were feeling, how they were doing with their jobs, things like that. It was easy to know what people were working on from home, but it was really hard to know how they were doing as a human. And so I struggled to kind of feel out, you know, should I give them a break? How are they doing? And with COVID, that was just even more stressful for all of my employees. Although still at our company, the pandemic gave Allie the time to venture into other opportunities. And then when COVID hit, there were less things to do, right? There were less places to go, less adult league sports to play. And so I started moonlighting for a couple of friends' businesses because I was interested in the technology they were building. And then I realized that that's something that I could do more full-time and I was really benefiting from being able to pick my own hours, as well as there was less intentionality with the old business. There was, you know, returning to office one day a week, but not a lot of advance notice. And I am eight and a half months pregnant. 
So I'm due next week. And so that pregnancy and like all of the appointments and not knowing when I was going to need to be in the office and what that was going to look like added a lot of stress to this season of life. So being able to freelance, do that, get more clients, do that more full time really allowed for me to take a breather or a break and kind of say, okay, I can do this and rest in the middle of the day or and go to that doctor's appointment or whatever else was happening. Deciding to transition from a nine to five to the freelance lifestyle is a huge decision. And to add another layer of complexity, Allie was newly pregnant. If she went out on her own, she'd be facing two major life changes at once. We asked Allie if she was ever concerned when making the jump, especially while growing her family. I think that deciding to freelance is really hard and it's a privilege that, you know, you've had to have some good experiences and good background, some luck in it as well. But pregnancy and, you know, the fears behind it and the, you know, struggle to get here, it did definitely impact my ability or my courage to kind of jump into this world. But Allie did make the jump and has been self-employed ever since. And while she is enjoying it, as we said earlier, it is a big adjustment. For Allie, the difference in hours was a big impact on her. But most of the time, it's just whenever I want to put in the hours, I put in the hours. While it's different for every freelancer or self-employed person, how many hours does Allie get as a freelancer? And how does that compare to the hours she was putting in as a full-time employee at a company? So I probably freelancing put in 25 to 30 that I'm getting paid. And then I would tell you that as you know, a freelance, you're also going to do some more hours around invoicing your taxes, reaching out to clients where they're not really paying you, you're just checking in type thing. But yeah, my actual billable hours are somewhere around 25 to 30 hours a week. I struggle with that because I came from a company working 60 hours a week and then also freelancing on the side and probably 10 hours a week. And what I've recognized is that on hours, so hours your brain have to be ready for work, right? I was probably all the time with the other company, and that's why it felt a little overwhelming to me. But actual output hours that weren't meetings, you know, that they just added a bunch of people to for no reason, et cetera, I was probably working the exact same. Like my output now is probably the same. I just don't have to be on as often. While transitions from full-time corporate employment to owning her own business has been an adjustment for Allie, she's taking it well. We put positive character associations with like early morning people or people who are willing to put in like, you know, seven to seven every day or however those hours work out and they're working through their lunch and all of that kind of stuff. And I would tell you that your body is not made for that. Your brain is not necessarily made for that. And so if you pay attention to a day, if you could just pick when you work and you could Maybe you're really great between 6 a.m. and 9 a.m. And then you struggle. And then you're great again between, you know, noon and 5. And then you struggle. And then you're really great again, you know, at 8 p.m. That could be your hormones. It could be how you eat. It could be when you want to exercise, right? All those different things. I've gotten to be able to work when I'm best prepared to work. Instead of just the typical, you know, these are the hours that the world works. Allie shared some of her final thoughts and advice to employers who are deciding what they want their work model to look like. I would say, one, if a company chooses to have people come back into the office, that's their choice, right? I don't think that that makes a company mean or evil or bad or anything like that. But I do think you can't get manager employees for quitting, right? It's, right, it's, it's this even dynamic, right? Uh, if you want people back in the office, 
bring them back in the office. It's your company. You own it. Make that decision, but make it. And if you want to go full remote or you're scared to bring people back into the office, right? Don't waver. My thing is know why you're doing it and do it. And then continue to ask yourself as the world changes, as you're trying to attract talent, you're not maybe not getting it. Why is that? But no one's telling you that you're the bad guy for bringing people back into the office. There are plenty of jobs where no one got to go home. They had to continue to work from the office. And if for your company, and you can continue to get the talent you want, go into the office, pay for that space. I, you know, I don't think that's wrong. And for companies that go full-time remote, don't feel like you've been bullied into it. It's a terrible place to come from. Is that a bunch of companies, especially smaller companies that want high you know, IT talent, are going full remote, but they feel like they've been bullied into it because they can't get talent or people are threatening to quit or things like that, which then they don't change their like heart and culture to be a remote company. They're still an in-person company who wishes they had walls, who isn't changing how they meet, you know, how they schedule, you know, getting people to conferences or in-person you know, making sure they have the right equipment at home because they got bullied into it. And so I would just say, decide what you want to do and do it and then do it well. Finally, we asked Allie what the future looks like for her. Would she ever go back to full-time work? I don't know. I'll have to kind of see how bringing like a baby into my home changes things um, because freelancing will be really nice to be able to just decide, you know, today was a really rough week for my family. So I didn't work as many hours. And then this was a great week. And so I worked more There is stability with going back full-time. And what I appreciate is going back from being a contractor, I get to really know what my worth is. While Ali shared with us the challenges and freedoms that come with being self-employed, we wanted to talk to someone who oversees a team of employees. Brad Morrison is the CEO of Quickly Hire, a marketplace for freelancers to connect with ongoing work. The team at Quickly Hire transitioned from in-office to fully remote and hasn't looked back. So we were a local digital agency and we had a physical office several years ago. And um, as our business transitioned to more of a, a business that serves a global audience, we were able to kind of move out of that. And so our focus was then on, you know, we don't need to hire everyone local. So we expanded our, our pool of, of who we were looking at. Uh, we brought in a lot of great talent from not just throughout the U.S., but, but all over. And, uh, and we were able to really scale our team up. I don't think we would have been able to do that as easily if we had to, you know, rely on local folks in our area. Of course, at the time we were in a a mid-sized city. And so development and design talent was a little bit harder to come by. By going global and going remote, we really were able to, to staff up very quickly. Quickly Hire's transition to remote work wasn't prompted by the pandemic. Instead, Brad saw a way to expand the company while aligning with its mission and capitalized on it. And it does make sense to adopt this model. A global company should have a global workforce, right? But just how global is Brad's workforce? 
You know, our first employee, uh, our first hire outside the local area was in Indianapolis. So we're not, not too far away in the U.S., right? And uh, from that, when we established that model and said, okay, this, this does work, we can have a lead dev that, that, doesn't, that isn't physically here in the office with us. We, we then started expanding a little bit further and saying, okay, you know, there are folks in you know, Texas and New York and, and different states. But then we started looking global. And part of that is just com- for competitive, right? Looking at, at, at rates, um, looking at, at, at talent. Uh, it's, it's interesting in the WordPress world, there's always been, you know, in, in Europe, for example, a very strong WordPress presence that we had not really tapped into before. So we, we have folks, I think, 28 different countries now. So we're in the Philippines, we're in the Ukraine, uh, which has been, been interesting this year. We're in South Africa, we're in Poland, Spain, we're in uh, Kenya and Nigeria. Um, we have folks all over the world. A workforce of that scale is certainly impressive, but having a team across the globe has us wondering, what are the challenges and perks that come with a global team who work across several time zones? We asked Brad how timing affects his company's productivity. A lot of our business is actually with WordPress support, right? So we're a help desk. So if you're a help desk, being 24-7, that's beautiful. And so when we are staffing things on our side, we are looking to say, all right, we, we need to be 24-7. So we need to make sure that we have tier one, tier two, tier three support throughout the night, right? Throughout the night, Eastern time, right? Being global and having staff all over the world makes that actually pretty easy. We've been doing this for almost 10 years. So we have a lot of customers and we have a lot of issues and tickets that, that come up every hour of every day. And so the management of that is a little bit easier. The asynchronous work model ensures that Brad can staff his help desk 24-7, which is a huge benefit to going global. But what about the challenges of a global workforce like managing productivity and hours? Some of the the challenges that we faced, specifically with the production team that we have where we're billing for for hours, is keeping just keeping track of that, right? And and a lot it's not, you know, just standing over someone's shoulder. Like if you're in a physical office standing over their shoulder to see what they're working on, that's not really what you're trying to do. But you do have to have some accountability, not really for them, but it's for us, right? It's a, it's a way for us to show our customers what we've been working on. We asked Brad about the future of Quickly Hire. Would he ever consider going back to an in-office work model given these challenges? We would never really go back to a, a physical office. The only reason that we were even operating that way was because our, our client base was local and we were a local uh, digital agency. And so being a small local business, yes, right, if we were that. but. Now doing what we do and serving folks everywhere, and and uh, it's uh, we would never go to that. I have at times thought about kind of the the hub and spoke kind of kind of model where you say, all right, maybe we do because we do have a concentration of folks in different places. Kenya, for example, South Africa. Uh, we we have we have folks that are a, a lot of folks Philippines in the same area in the same town where we could say okay maybe we could do a little bit of a hybrid maybe it's for training right so uh, maybe it's technical training of some sort that we do but we've been able to really do anything that needs to be done online and remote over I, I can't see an, a compelling reason to require people to kind of okay 
take time away from from family home and come here for a set amount of time. And, you know, whether it's a commute or it's staying here for a little, a few days or weeks or whatever to, to have that training, I, there's nothing compelling about it. The advantages are not significant enough to, to overcome that. Brad's advice for keeping your employees happy when using an asynchronous work model, open communication and staying in tune with your employees. We have a really good relationship with our employees. And if they're not fulfilled in some way or, or we're, you know, we tend to know about it. And they're, because we have a conversation, you have open and honest communication and you give employees and, and even in our, our network of professionals, you give them an opportunity for personal growth. You give them an opportunity to make more money. You give them an opportunity to learn management skills if they want to do that. You reward them when they do it. And, you know, we start every meeting with celebrating our wins, but we also have an employee recognition system where we give rewards for, for uh, great work, right? And so being in tune with your employees and understanding that employee engagement, employee satisfaction, all of that is directly related to employee retention, which is really good for the business also, right? That's a, a mutually beneficial relationship, right? In our final section of today's episode, let's meet the Director of People at Brand Apart, an Atlanta-based company specializing in marketing and branding. Steve Swanson has been with Brand Apart for five years. Brand Apart has adopted the hybrid model, half remote and half in person. I've had an um, interesting kind of marketing advertising journey, and now I've kind of settled into a new role, which is kind of Director of People, which is really helping grow an organization and get people aligned on what we're trying to do, both currently and in the future. I do a lot, of, a lot of coaching. We have a young team, so I do a lot of coaching. While coaching and working with his team at Brand Apart, Steve has had a unique perspective on the company's adoption of a hybrid work model. So what does that policy look like? We really don't have a policy. I think we have a philosophy. I think philosophically, it's better to be together at certain times, but not mandatory all the time. So collaboration, creative, creative work together, just kind of like atoms smashing together surreptitiously helps a ton. But for sure, <laughs> there is no like we're coming in the office nine to five, five days a week, that's gone. I think the, 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 the downside of that little bit is when should I be in? Who should, <laughs> who should I be collaborating with? It's still sort of foggy. And the thing that I would like us to uh, evolve to is to more of a meaningful engagement model. Like if you're going to have meaningful engagement, it's probably better done in person for a whole bunch of reasons. If the work is transactional, then you probably don't need to need to be meeting in, in person. There's a big distinction. And a lot of it has to do with collaborative and creative and things like that. Much better done in person or status and things like that. You don't need 10 people in a conference room anymore. That just seems kind of weird to me. But how does a creative agency like Brand Apart handle remote work? When creative work requires a consistently collaborative environment. We asked Steve. I think we're, the better question is we're, we're kind of always in a custom world now. I think everything's 
custom. I just don't think there's a lot of off-the-shelf answers. So some clients, some teams, much better collaborative in-person. Some clients, you know, want to be remote. I think that's sometimes suboptimal for certain things. But I think we also, as a species, have gotten much better at working remote. You, know, you remember, you know, two years ago, the awkward, you know, is this button on? Am I on mute? What am I doing? Where's the chat function? Is this Zoom or Google Hangouts or Blue Jeans or some other, you know, like it was that, you know, two years ago it was crazy land. It was the Wild West. Now we've trained ourselves to kind of how to how to work in this environment. And and quite honestly, for a lot of people, it's hyperproductive. And while so many employees in today's world have adopted the remote work model, many still find coming to the office beneficial for their productivity. We still utilize it for, for teams that want to work or, or people that need a better work situation. One person in particular has three kids under four. I mean, she's like, I got to get out of the house. I got to get out of the house. Some people are like, I, I got to get out of the house. I need, you know, five hours of dedicated heads down time. And I, I'm more focused in an office. With a new generation of graduates entering a workforce where remote work seems to be the norm, we asked Steve if he's worried about introducing young people to the idea of working in person and how Brand Apart will adapt to this change in employee mindset. I'm more worried about creating an environment, a culture that people, again, are, are attracted to. If, it, if they're attracted to that, it'll cut, it will cut, cut across to all kind of kind of stratas, I, I believe. And it, it's funny because even the, the, the youngest, newest employees, when we talk about kind of a future or what a future looks like, they have the most robust ideas about what that looks like. And I'm like, okay, let's model ourselves off of some of that and bring everybody else along with it instead of reverse engineering, like, well, how have we always done it? What does the management say and things like that? It's irrelevant what we think. It's more relevant what they think and how they want to work. Finally, we asked Steve to give our listeners some advice to employers looking to take on a hybrid model. You know, it's like anything else in society or business or things like that. Things have to evolve. The world will change. The world will evolve. And it's our job to evolve with it. And I think if you have a change evolution and you can embrace change, you're far better off than, than kind of pining for the good old days and things like that. That's gone. That's, that, that's an artifact of the past. And adaptability and flexibility is, is one of the key tenets that we all learned in the pandemic and will, will bode well for us going forward. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Side Hustle to Small Business Podcast. To learn more about Hiscox Small Business Insurance, visit the Hiscox blog at www.hiscox.com slash blog. That's www.hiscox.com slash blog.